welcome to Tech Royalty, where we celebrate the kings of tech. I'm live with my boy here, the man himself, the myth, the legend from Compton to Google, all that good stuff on Carrot, Mr. Anthony D. Mays. Yo, yo, stars, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't need all that. This is one of the heavyweights in tech right here. Damn. And I thank you so much for joining me and agreeing to do the podcast. Uh, just so you can give everybody that doesn't know you, I don't know who wouldn't know you, but uh, give them your story. Tell them how you got started, where you're from, and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, hi, I'm Anthony, a 20-year software engineer. Spent eight years at Google, and um, I started off in the hood. Compton, California, uh, was the survivor of physical and sexual abuse, and I taught myself how to code when I was about eight years old. And from there, uh, wanted to find a way to be successful in this thing called tech. And I wanted to be any engineer I could possibly be, uh, number one, because it seemed fun to take stuff apart and rebuild it and make interesting things. And two, because it pays well. So, um, you know, went and got my computer science degree at uh, the University of California, Irvine, where I was uh, one of maybe at most two black folk in computer science classes. Uh, went throughout my career thinking, you know, it would be pretty dope to work at Google, but they would never hire a Negro like me. And uh, had the opportunity to interview and and actually prove whether that was true. And sure enough, didn't get the job. And so I spent the next three years dodging dodging my phone uh, while they called for me to try again. And after my wife and kids and and folks at church encouraged me to try again, I I did and worked um, fastidiously <laughs> for a month and a half to succeed at the interview. And would you know it? I got the job. And uh, ever since then, uh, it's been uh, just working nearly every day to make sure that the next generation coming after me has it easier and uh, it, it, it feels more empowered to go even further than I've gone in my career. So that's the goal. Lighten the way for the next generation. Nice, nice. Now, can you kind of like elaborate about being a black man at Google? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right? Um, it was the best of times because Google was and continues to be a, a fantastic company. I still have many friends uh, who used to work there, many friends who still work there, um, colleagues that I highly respect. Uh, one of the biggest compliments I can, I think, give to another engineer is, wow, you remind me of uh, somebody I used to work with at Google. <laughs> I, I feel like that's that's uh, the the vibe, and you know, I, there that was the great part of you know having a great team, perks, benefits, up the wazoo, all of that. the The challenging part was me dealing with myself and what it meant to be a software engineer at such a prestigious institution, and to have the network and privilege that comes with that, and just figuring out how to wield this new power in a way that is responsible. Um, without being too in my head, um, you know, it, I, I still remember someone asked me, Anthony, how do you often you think about race? And I'm sitting here in a Google cafe and I turn over to this tray of fruit because, um, you know, all the snacks are, fr are free. And I say, you see that tray of fruit? That reminds me of race. And it's like, really? Why? I said, well, you see those bananas there? 
Whenever I see those bananas, I'm reminded that black people used to be called monkeys and gorillas and apes. And I wonder, I just wonder if maybe one or two of my colleagues thinks that, that, that uh, I'm less than human because of my skin color. Not that anyone's ever said anything, not that anyone's ever done anything, but those are the, my, those are the thoughts that run through my mind all the time because I'm well-informed about the history of race in America, discrimination in America, these things. And I still continue to be concerned about them because I think that they are still ever-present threats in our society. And the moment that we forget is the moment when uh, those things are allowed to thrive in new and interesting ways. Nice, nice. And how did you kind of like change your mindset and, and get around all of that? Yeah, so I, I'm the kind of person where if I'm not busy, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff in my head that I probably don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about. And uh, from and so I try as best as I can to be active and busy and working towards a goal. Because if I'm not working towards a goal, if I'm not working towards a solution, then I'm just spinning my wheels, wasting time. And I don't want to be that kind of person. And so I'd rather be about the work than to talk about it and uh, or to talk about it alone. So my goal uh, became to be an advocate and a voice and a champion and a thought leader for uh, what I thought positive change in industry could look like and should look like. And so uh, that led down the route of becoming a content creator and uh, in many ways an influencer, um, not a way that I describe myself. I've been told that I'm an influencer. <laughs> and, uh, but my, my goal is always the same, to put information into the hands of those who can use it and who historically haven't been uh, privileged enough to receive that information. And so, um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to lend my voice and my platform and honestly Google's platform in a way that helps this next generation of technologists, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're formerly incarcerated, where, whether they are um, whatever skin color it is, whoever you are, um, I want you to feel like you have a friend or a colleague in the business who will keep it 100 with you and provide you uh, some of those, uh, those those tips and those bits of wisdom that will help you to get uh, where you're trying to go faster and more reliably. Nice, nice. And also as a brother of Christ, would you say that your faith kind of helped you in that area as well? Oh, not only did it help me, it carried me. I mean, that's that's really what it is. I mean, we're talking about faith from God himself to believe things that that I can't see. Um, most principally that that he had a plan for me uh, to to do something useful and meaningful within society. When I saw myself as just a kid from the hood, um, you know, m- my own self-perception was defined by uh, news coverage at night showing black men in handcuffs yet again for some crime, for some murder, for some theft. And I began to see myself as those individuals in handcuffs thinking about, hmm, what's going to happen when I end up with my hands behind my back in the back of a police car, even if I didn't do anything wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I thought about that and, and realized that I'm not the kind of person who the world sees as world changing, as world influencing. Um, But I felt like God did and gave me plenty of examples in Christ Jesus, who was 
sacrificial, who gave of himself for for the for the world. And so, you know, my ultimate goal is to honor him in everything that I do. And a subset of that effort involves me being exemplary in the work that I do and showing excellence in my craft. I think that that's a way that I point to to Christ and that I point to uh, faith in God. Because if, if it logically follows that I believe all the things about God that I do, then that's going to determine how I live. And I think that uh, my, my journey in, in tech and the way that I carry myself as an individual has to be a reflection of my master. And so I want to be a good servant, not just to him, but to others in service to Christ. Um, so, you know, very much in Ephesians chapter uh, six way of thinking about my life. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's very helpful because it gives me defining clarity and purpose that um, I think people really struggle to find in their lives. Phenomenal, phenomenal. That's right. Also, um, at your time at Google, what kind of cool projects were you proud of working on? And did some of them present a challenge to you as a developer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, all of it does. I mean, if it doesn't provide a challenge, I mean, you know, why are they hiring me? The, the, the thing that I got to do at Google was uh, data visualization and analysis. So I would build tools around the area of data, data visualization and uh, big data visualization and analysis. So building dashboarding tools, scripting tools, um, reporting tools that my customers would then use to build their dashboards and reports or do some kind of analysis, whether ad hoc or um, curated. And, uh, you know, you're talking about data on a massive scale, right? On a mat, we're talking Mm -hmm. about planetary wide, planetary scale data and making it so that you can take millions or billions of data points and turn those into nice, beautiful looking charts and graphs and and um, visualizations that tell a story about where the company is going or where this department is moving, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, uh, it was interesting as a project, but also uh, challenging because I needed to do things that had been done before, but maybe not at the scale that I needed to do them in. And that, that made it difficult. Um, as a case in point, uh, one thing that I needed to do was to build a, a data table visualization, which, you know, when you're working with uh, small amounts of data, you don't even need to build anything yourself. You can just go get something off the shelf and reuse uh, some component that somebody else has built. But when you're working at Google scale, that's not going to do. There's a lot of things you need to think about, um, w- especially when you're working in a browser constrained environment as I would as I was, you know, building web tools for big data visual visualization and analysis. The closest analog um, I think that maybe listeners might uh, understand is um, uh, Google SQL uh, and BigQuery um, and the offerings that they have in Google Cloud right now. Um, that's very similar to the kind of stuff that I was working on just internal to Google. So all of my customers were other Googlers. Nice, nice. So you did the internal. That's dope, actually. Definitely. And I know you gave me some some very great advice a couple of years back when I first went for Google the, the first time. And even the second mm-hmm. time, you were very helpful. And I really appreciate you for that. Definitely. Yeah. You know, that was amazing. 
And I came extremely close the second time. They oh, had changed good. their grading, which yeah. Yeah, I think it was changed to like unanimous. And there was like one that was like, no, and everybody else was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even with that, what made you want to start helping others and start doing like Morgan Latimer and all of that? You know, I think it was because when I began to understand the interview process and the preparation process, things became very straightforward. But before that time, it was very nebulous and hard to understand, and I didn't know what credible information to trust. And, you know, remember that I'm starting, I engage with this process as a Black man in tech, as a Black man in America. And so I'm not starting with a maybe baseline level of trust that is um, on par with the average. I'm coming in with a deficit of trust because I don't trust anybody. I don't trust companies. I don't trust recruiters. I don't trust other engineers. I don't trust anybody because I grew up with TLC and MC Hammer. And these were very successful people who um, ended up poor, <laughs> right? Who, who ended up with uh, all their riches uh, just being vaporized through um, through negligence, lack of awareness, a bunch of being taken advantage of um, by people that they trusted, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't want that to happen to me. And so I saw them as cautionary tales and wanted to avoid that in my tech life and journey. And so, you know, as I began to engage with with corporate America and with Google and other companies like Google, um, I didn't. You know, they would give me information. I'd be like, yeah, but there's got to be like a secret handshake, right? Like a, a, a certain person I need to know or talk to to really get through the door. Because just doing the things that you have on paper, like that's not going to cut it. And so um, I would scour the internet for a bunch of information and uh, just try to build for myself what this, uh, a picture of what the reality uh, would be and um, you know, the first time was very frustrating because I ended up trusting the wrong information and studying the wrong things for two weeks. And it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough. It wasn't that I wasn't skilled enough. It wasn't that I wasn't willing to work hard. It's that I was just missing the information. And I felt that um, I could, in s- some small way, uh, fix that. And be influential in taking that off the table as an impediment for uh, for an entire generation of underrepresented folk. And so I tell people all the time, like this information that I have is information I worked hard to learn. If you're not willing to work hard for this to really comprehend it and understand it and make it yours, don't waste time with me. Just don't, because it's not going to help you. I can't teach you how to have the right work ethic. I can tell you what it is, but at the at a certain point, you gotta you gotta do the work. So I intuited that there were a lot of people like me, willing to work hard, ready to prove themselves. They were just missing that last piece, which is the information. And um, I committed myself to just doing what I could to at least provide that much to the world. Nice, nice, and you're right because. Time is something you definitely can't get back in your taxes, so mm. don't waste it. Absolutely, tell not. me about it. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what else do you do, like with Morgan Latimer? Like, is there any other type of programs, or I know you did mentorship. Anything else that is particular that stands out that you want everybody to know? Yeah, so I primarily do career and interview coaching, 
Uh, I do that in two ways. One, I do that with individuals. So um, folks can visit morganlatimer.com and book a consultation with me where I will uh, you know, assess your situation and provide some recommendations about how we might be able to move forward. And uh, I did a lot of interview coaching specifically. So folks would come to me um, if they wanted um, to get a realistic uh, picture of what the interview process might look like. Uh, and I give very uh, honest and frank feedback as much as I can. Uh, if you are terrible, I'm willing to tell you that you're terrible so that you uh, have the data and the details that you need to go and inform your, your study plan. Uh, I also, uh, in addition to working with folks one-on-one, I also work with companies to do um, uh, that kind of coaching on their behalf. Many companies want to recruit underrepresented talent uh, for myriad of way, uh, for a myriad of reasons, and so I come in to to help understand what their process is, understand who they're trying to reach, and then bridge the gap between the two. So uh, you know, giving workshops and um, Again, coaching candidates and all of that stuff kind of falls underneath my purview. And I, and yet a third thing that I do is uh, public speaking. So I uh, spent a lot of time last year going to conferences and talking with people from all over the country and, and helping them to understand more about this tech life and how to be successful in it. And uh, I really enjoy public speaking and lending my story and journey um, to others uh, to, to inspire and inform. Nice, nice. And I was kind of nervous to do public speaking and all of that. I'm still kind of like hesitant, but I know that, you know, I have stuff that people need. Like you said, you know, you want to serve others. You want to help the next generation and next brothers coming up in tech and sisters in tech. Right. But, um, you know, so I kind of like push all of that down and kind of move forward in a way, you know, get over my imposter syndrome, so to speak. Yeah, but, that's the uh, thing. I yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing is a lot of people don't realize how much you've got to fight internally to be useful externally. And there are so many battles of I'm not good enough. Who am I to do this? Um, am I even an, an expert? You know, w- w- th- there are other people who can do it better than me. All of this or. All of these things are thoughts that go through my mind constantly, even with the success that I've achieved so far. And to some extent, that is healthy because I realize that I'm just one small piece of a larger world. Um, And it's important for me to have a humble and accurate understanding of who I am, especially in the presence of Christ. So that's good. But there's also this downside where I don't lean as much into the power that I have accessible to me. And there has to be a balance, right? Um, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't go around thinking that I'm the bee's knees and that I, that I run this thing. Um, and you got to listen to me and do what I say, but I also can't be the person who is always shrinking back from, from speaking truth and empowering others uh, and and being bold about the things that I know to be true, right? Um, and so, and, and it, it, it's not just within the tech world. I mean, it's also in the way that I communicate my faith and the way that I stand up for values that, that I believe in. Um, all of that is connected. And uh, I think that I'm always 
in this battle to uh, be useful and to be excellent at what I do. And uh, that's the war I'm going to fight until I die. Nice, nice. Now, with doing all of this stuff, right, and, and running around speaking, helping others, and, you know, being an Austin engineer, and, you know, because I, I see your movements and all that, like, and you're a family man, a married man with children. Mm-hmm. And as another married man, I find that like, it's hard to do all this. You know, I have a wife, I have three foster children we just got that we may be adopting, and, hey. you know, they're toddlers, so yeah. I'm all over the place. So, like, <laughs> how do you find time to, like, deal with your family and, and spend the time with them because that's very important too. You know, yeah, my dad yeah. was very important in spending time with me, which I'm very thankful for. And yeah. how do you just find that time as a father and a husband to, to kind of balance that between all the great things you're doing in tech and then the things you want to do at home? I'm, I'm, I'm bad about chopping things up into nice, neat areas. and. Um, well, no, it's kind of complicated. I'm, I'm thinking about this as you asked me the question, because I think there's two realities that, that are true at the same time. I, I'm bad about separating things into buckets. And it's not that I have a problem with the divisions. It's that I can only live in one bucket at a time. And so if you're not in there with me focusing on the exact thing that I'm focusing on, then you, you don't exist <laughs> to me. And that's not good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, having that kind of singular focus can be really, really bad. Um, you know, whenever, whenever I have these moments where I've really got to be in the code, it's like my wife and kids are, uh-oh, okay, daddy's deep in it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like they know that all I can see or curly braces and semicolons in my brain until I get whatever thing I'm working on solved or fixed or implemented, whatever that may be. So that's not, that's not good. That's not maintainable. That's not scalable. And so I'm always, always trying to figure out how to draw the lines in such a way that I'm focusing on the things I need to focus on. And then everything else is on the periphery. And so I try to be an integrationist, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is, um, right now I, I'm an entrepreneur, I run a business, but I'm, I'm, my wife is the co-owner and helps me to run it. And my, and I'm always looking for opportunities for my kids to get involved. And I'm always thinking about like, before I start the day, how can I be in scripture and prayer first? And, and just constantly like praying in my mind about what I should be doing and, and giving gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, and, and just not doing so much work to take each of these things and put them into their own buckets, but really to bring them all under one house so that we're all living together and doing what we need to do. You know, my goal is to be consistent so that whether I'm on a podcast, whether I'm on LinkedIn, whether I'm at a conference, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at church, you're seeing the same consistent Anthony um, who, who, who maintains the same uh, focus on being excellent in what I do and reflecting the glories of Christ. And I think that by thinking that way, it allows me to be uber focused on those one, two, three things that are life important to me 
and to leave everything else on the edges. And it's not that I don't let the things on the edges come in sometimes. You know, that makes sense. Sometimes I'm going to go do things for entertainment or fun. You know, they really don't, they, they really aren't um, maybe eternally meaningful, but they are momentarily convenient. Um, and so, you know, I will do that. And, but the normal course of my life is about focusing on those two or three things that really matter the most and then letting everything else be as they are. And um, for me, those priorities are honoring my Lord and, and Savior, um, being there for my family and loving and supporting them, um, making sure that I'm tuned in with other folks in my church. And, and then lastly, that I'm helping the next generation of technologists to be successful and what they're trying to accomplish. So those really are the four things. And I try as much as I can to um, live in the harmony of those things, right? And to, uh, and to enjoy that. Nice, nice. Yeah, because I find it like hard to juggle all that sometimes and balance it. And, you know, there's other, you know, brothers out there that find the same. You know, I hear about, yeah. you know, the wife is complaining you're working too much or you want to mm-hmm. spend more time with your kids, but you know, you got to do this and that. So, you know, that's very good to hear how you tackle it because I'm always looking for ideas how to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing is it, it's funny, you know, I, I have a very, I, I try as much as I can to, to have a biblical worldview and mm-hmm. there, there isn't, I don't find the phrase work-life balance in the Bible, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, sure I, think the ex- I think the expectation in Scripture is that, you know, you, you work six days out of the week and you rest all the, on the seventh day. Like, and, and so I, I, I have that kind of mindset where, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to ultimate rest with God in future glory when I'm dead and gone. Um, and until then, I'm working. <laughs> I am yeah. producing. I am redeeming the time. I am exerting effort, making every effort to grow spiritually and grow as a family man and to grow professionally and all those other kinds of things. And so I'm always, you know, working or thinking about how I can be productive. And, you know, obviously I'm taking, you know, breaks in between and, and um, you know, enjoying things uh, as I can along the way. But you know, really just kind of thinking about the work that I need to be engaged in and how to be uh, res- responsible. And, and even with my family, it's not that I'm not working, right? Like if I'm spending time with my wife, that's intentional effort. That is, that is as much of a career as anything else and even more important than um, the, the, you know, maybe the secular work that I'm involved in. And so, um, you know, it, it takes time, it takes energy, it's, it takes devotion to be there for my wife and for my kids. And so I try to think about um, how I can display the same excellence in my technical work, um, you know, and, and, and bring that over into uh, the work that I do for my family. And, you know, it, it, they have to keep me accountable, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my, uh, you know in, in terms of like how I show up in the home how I show up with my kids, how I show up with my wife, how I show up with other relatives and friends. Um, I don't want them to think that, you know, when it comes to family, I'm just slacking and dragging all over the place. But when it comes to technical work, like, yeah, I'm on it. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the reality is that I haven't arrived yet, right? Um, uh, I can talk a big game, but um, I'm still working on implementation. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's just the way I think about it. It's not, it's not, it's not about like leaving it all on the, the basketball court, right? And then I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have anything left for anybody else after that. You know, it's about like, how do I go hard, whether I'm on the court or off the court, court um, and have the consistency that defines men of excellence. Nice, nice. I like that. And and spending time with your family and not dealing with tech, what else do you like to do? Well, I'm a big movie guy, that's for sure. Uh, so um, more often than not, if I'm not doing a podcast or on Twitter spaces or at a conference, I'm probably in bed watching a movie. I'm very much a homebody. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I love to zone out to a good movie. And yeah, I mean, the 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 analytical mind that I have even is at work <laughs> when I'm watching movies. So I'm thinking about mm-hmm. the director's decisions and how uh, the cine- cinematography is working and choice of color and music and all the other stuff. And so, um, but yeah, you know, I find it relaxing enough. And then when I'm not doing that, uh, trying to make music, uh, that's another thing that I really enjoy. Um, and so I had the opportunity recently to work with my son, who is just a very talented and gifted musician and music producer in his own right. Um, nobody's heard of him yet, but they will, I believe, um, because he's just that amazing. And um, yeah, but I mean, but more often than not, uh, Bible study is my thing. That's that's my jam. Um, like being able to sit down in front of scripture and read and meditate. That's That's a daily habit. Um, and mm-hmm. one thing that I strive to do more than anything else, um, just having that private alone time and and um, thinking about life and thinking about my Lord and how I can serve better. It's it's what centers me every day. Nice, nice. Yeah, I saw the thing with you and your son online. I was like, that's dope. <laughs> you have to do music with your son. Yeah, it really is great. I mean, I was... I was remarking the other day to my wife, like, it's good to like have an idea and be able to turn to my son and be like, yo, let's do something with this. And, you know, it, it doesn't start off as anything <laughs> and, um, or it starts off as a kernel of a thing. And then it just becomes this conversation. That's a yes. And like, yes, I really like that. And let's add this other thing. And then he'll be like, yes, that's great. But let's also add this. And so we're just going back and forth. And, um, it just it, it also helps to filter out um, things that maybe don't work or to keep me from being inside my head too much. And I think that that's also the the key to good team collaboration, right? Is this idea that I'm bringing things to the table, but so are you. And um, instead of me spending all of my time wondering if um, if what I'm thinking of is worth it or if it's crazy, I can get the quick feedback from you. All I need is a head nod or "Mm, not at it. And you saved me like an hour of going back and forth (laughs) with myself. So it's, it's a gift to be able to collaborate with someone, um, you know, on that level and to see my son grow into that level of maturity. And this is, again, it's the same kind of thing that I look forward to when I'm working with anyone or collaborating with anyone. And when we talk about things like 
diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's a way that that shows up in our personal lives every day. And if we, if we understand those concepts rightly, then even in our personal relationships, we'll see those qualities and attributes that are good and enduring show up in our family, um, with our friends, with our colleagues, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just a nine to five kind of a thing. It's, it's a whole life philosophy and mindset. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. So also, um, since you've started your career up until like currently, what changes have you seen in tech? And like, what do you think is going to change? Or if you can kind of, I don't like to say predict, but if you like see what's going to come up ahead of time. Yeah. So um, because I've been in this thing for over 20 years, I've seen just some of the advancements in tech, uh, those, those world-changing uh, innovations. So first there was the personal computer and the fact that we could have computers in our homes. Then came the internet and the, the world-changing uh, shift that that brought in the way that people thought about themselves and what they were capable of and their access to information. Then came mobile technology and the ability to fit that all of that power in the palm of your hands anywhere you were going. Um, then we started to get into and are continuing to move through this era, era of, of AI and machine learning and computers being even more useful at assisting us with complex tasks. Uh, so, you know, of course, now we've got chat GPT and large language models and all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's uh, Web3 and the way that we're thinking about um, the, the new era of internet infrastructure that defines how we will connect as individuals and uh, as, as, a, as groups of people collectively. So, you know, th- that's, that's what I've lived through so far. <laughs> and uh, my wife... Uh, Asked me this morning, you know, where are we going to get those like Jetson style robots that can <laughs> do everything in the house? And I was like, I still mm-hmm. feel like that's a good 50 years out, honestly. Um, bef- you know, it, it, not even mentioning the being able to build up the industrial scale to support it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's also just the practicalities of AI isn't as smart as we think it is yet. Um, and right now, uh, it's not AI that's going to take your job. It's the people who know AI that's going to take your job. I think getting to the point where AI is actually taking your job is um, we're, we're still we're, we are still a ways away from that. So again, those are practical ways in which I think the technology and the tools have changed. But there's this other kind of change that has happened that I've observed that I've observed over the years of my career. And that's just in terms of how we think about each other. So before 2013, DEI as a concept wasn't something that was talked about a lot, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, It was more of a legal kind of thing. Like we don't want to get sued. So let's do the bare minimum to ensure that that doesn't happen. And then it turned into a conversation and then turned into an industry where now um, companies 
uh, see the 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 value and the benefits of the bottom line of having diverse voices in the room and having more representation and all those other kinds of things. So um, that I think is super interesting, and I feel like there's a point in time in which tech will no longer care as much as they do about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And because I feel that way, I'm very driven to do as much good as I can before that goes uh, stagnant. And even a few years ago, there there was talk about diversity fatigue. And I was seeing all these articles on LinkedIn uh, where folks were saying like, you know, we're starting to face diversity f- fatigue and, mm-hmm. you know, what are we going to do about that? And then, then George Floyd got killed. <laughs> And a couple of other folks got killed. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, nope, nope. We're, we're not tired of it. No, <laughs> we're awake. We're woke. We're, we're going to do something about this. And before you know it, I hate to say it, um, but that fervor will die down. It's already starting to. And maybe it'll be another black man shot in the back um, by the police while running away or um, put in the chokehold or something. I don't know. That will reinvigorate. Um, people's desire to to do something different. Maybe it won't. You know, maybe we'll just become desensitized to it, and it'll become the new normal, and uh, all that stuff. And you know, I know that may sound morbid for for those who listen, but you know, I can't for, afford to have rose colored glasses here. I can't. You know, maybe there are others who mm-hmm. can, but you know, there are real realities that I have to deal with. I still have to have conversations about my son about. If you get stopped by the police, here's some things that you can do or that you should do. And do not by any means assume that you can do what everybody else would do in the same situation. No, you can't do that because you're a young black man and the rules are still different for you. So um, while I live in that reality, I think that it's important to be realistic while at the same time having a right-sized and right-placed optimism. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So I got some two final questions for you. The first one's going to be, so what advice are you going to give to the people that want to transition into tech and then the people that are studying tech in school and are newly new hires or looking to be new hires? What advices would you give to those people? Yeah, so my first advice is come on. Come on. Yeah. Tech, tech, tech wants you. Tech needs you. You know, keep 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 doing the good stuff. Come on in, the water's fine. Um, you know, I think it's important to to be welcoming in that way <laughs> because I think that if you look at the headlines of late, you'll realize that tech has been going through uh, something of a reckoning, especially big tech. Um, with all the overhiring that happened. And so um, there were layoffs and job cuts and rescinded offers and all that. And I think that it has scared some of the newer generation looking to come in tech. Um, and I understand that. But the reality is that there are still plenty of, of jobs and opportunities available. You just need to pivot a little bit. Uh, maybe the companies that you were looking at before, wait a little bit. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll get back to hiring and, and you know, Maybe the benefits won't be as plush as they used to be or the pay maybe not as high as it was, but it'll still be great. It'll still be a whole lot better than a lot of other places. So 
Um, so I want to be welcoming and, and help folks to have a realist, realistic expectation. But the second thing that I want to um, encourage anybody who's looking to transition in tech, I, I want to encourage them to understand that tech really isn't that different. It's not as different as you think it is. Um, tech is um, really about the tools that we use, but the they're still companies. Uh, there's still managers and HR teams and cooks and lawyers and <laughs> all that stuff, right? That are involved in the process of making a business run. There's still a bottom line and the company still needs to be making money. So um, if if you are coming in, the, if you're coming brand new in the tech, you're going to learn a lot of the same things that you would learn in any other industry. If you've been in industry for a while and you were transitioning into tech, all of the skills that you learned up to this point are transferable, or many of them are, and they still matter. And you want to leverage that. So, um, but the uh, the other part of that argument about tech not being that different is that the just like you have to apply hard work and effort to be successful at anything else, you've got to apply hard work and effort to be successful in tech. And a lot of this is going to be, frankly, boring and frustrating and difficult. Just is what it is. Um, but if you can push through that, you'll find a great deal of success and, um, and hopefully joy <laughs> from being able to do meaningful work and, and labor that matters. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Also about what do you think about gatekeeping? Does it exist or are we gatekeeping to some degree or? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> of course. But, uh, I think that the the tech world is more aware of that anti pattern and um in trying as best as it can to work against that or at least some people are right because tech is mm-hmm. tech is a concept it's an industry it's it's soulless there are people in tech and some people are gatekeepers some people are discriminatory and racist but some people are genuinely interested in being helpful and nurturing and, and kind and useful. And those are the people that I like to rock with. There's always going to be some level of gatekeeping because um, gatekeeping is lucrative and you can make good money from that um, or at least uh, protect your corner of the world for a time. So that's, that's always going to be around. But um, you know, and plus it makes people feel good when they can tell people no, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and block access. So that's just going to be a reality, I think. But um, but at the same time, I have benefited from people being so giving of their time and resources and effort. You know, I'm not the only person out here handing out free advice uh, in these social media streets. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who I work with and, and who I rock with personally, who, uh, who freely give their time and share their wisdom to help folks who are looking to be successful in tech. And so, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I encourage people to follow me uh, where, wherever I am because I'm rocking with these people constantly and you can get connected with them through me uh, because I try as much as possible to amplify them and the work that they do um, as I have opportunity to grow and expand my own brand. So, um, you know, just names that come off the top of my mind right now are, uh, Valerie Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, who's on Twitter, uh, uh, 
on Instagram, you have Code by Sophie. You have um, Jared Albritton, who's also on Instagram. Uh, Lawrence Lockhart on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, Kanika Tauver, um, Tanika Askew, um, who are both on Twitter. Um, and just a whole host of other folks. Scott Hanselman, um, who I'm a huge fan of, um, mm-hmm. of Microsoft fame. Um, who's also very giving of his time and wisdom and knowledge, has a podcast that he's had for a super long time that, that's great and puts um, great information into the hands of, of regular folk. So, you know, these are the people that I admire, respect, and that I follow. And, um, and we, we help each other and we help others who are, um, who, who are willing to receive that help. Thank you for giving the real answer on that because you know, there's a lot of, well, you see it online. There's a lot of debate against gatekeeping and yeah. what it is and it don't exist and all that stuff. But uh, my final question for you is what do you have coming up next? I know you got some things coming with Morgan mm. Latimer. I don't know if you want to share it yet. And yeah, I know yeah. you got a conference coming up. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll start with uh, Render 2023. Uh, that's happening a couple of weeks from now. I can't believe it's almost here already. Uh, that's happening in Atlanta from May 31st to June 3rd, I believe, with a, um, ending with a, confer- uh, with a, a concert uh, featuring Kay Tronada. So that's pretty dope. Um, it is, I think, the best tech conference that I've ever been to. Um, and that's saying a lot because uh, Afrotech is, is no small player and is an amazing uh, tech yeah. conference to be sure. But Render really is a whole vibe. And it's not just the atmosphere, which is unapologetically um, Black South uh, with an F. <laughs> but, it's, but the technical content is uh, bar none, excellent and, and, and noteworthy and in uh, and, and top quality. I mean, you know, just, just Fantastic. And uh, the, the, a lot of the people that I rock with and that I respect in this industry, I'm, I, I get to press palms with them at Render. Um, it's, it's just that amazing. And so uh, 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 Justin, uh, uh, Thug Debugger, Justin Samuels, uh, is uh, the one who founded Render and uh, has invited me uh, to, uh, to show up and to be hosted by their, their amazing team. And I've just enjoyed it. Uh, so this will be my second year. And if folks want to come and kick it with me and dap me up, uh, you can use uh, promo code Anthony at checkout to get a discount on your, on your ticket. So there's still time for you to come through and, uh, and, and make it happen. So uh, I'll be at Render in a couple of weeks. And then I'm also uh, releasing a uh, new project next week, next Thursday. I'll be on, the, on Twitter space. Or, sorry, on Twitter Spaces, I think 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, making an announcement. It'll be the biggest thing and the most Anthony Mays thing I've ever done in my entire life. So I'm really excited to share it with the world. I won't give the details away just yet, but uh, I'm warning your audience, uh, come May 25th, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, it's going to be a whole thing. So I'll I'm be really excited to, to, I'll be really excited to launch that and to show the world um, some, some amazing things. Nice. Nice. Thank you so much. And you know, I'll definitely be in the building. Uh, definitely <laughs> appreciate going to try to get down to render. It's yeah. so, so last minute for me, but I'm probably going to make it do what it do. Cool. But yeah, guys, we had Anthony Mays in the building. You heard it from him from Compton to Google. 
definitely doing things brilliant black minds he's at render atl he's all over the place touching these tech streets so you know we got brothers in tech that are doing amazing things hey and i you know, I'm sorry. One, one more thing I forgot to mention. I'm, I forgot to mention this. So speaking of Brilliant Black Minds, number one, we're going to be at Render. And if you want to get a wonderful headshot taken there, um, by all means, please come stop by the Brilliant Black Minds booth. I'll be there. The team will be there and we'll be willing to dap you up. But even outside of the conference, if you are a uh, black software engineer in the U.S. and you are looking to get free mock technical interviews, you need to sign up for Brand Black Minds yesterday. Um, this is an amazing resource. Um, it is a way for you to up-level your skills. And uh, if you do well in your mock interviews, you actually have the opportunity to get fast-tracked with on-site um, interviews with our hiring partners, which includes City, Duolingo, Amazon Prime Video, Flatiron Health. Um, I think we just got American Express signed on. Uh, so that's amazing. So, And people are actually getting jobs through this program by practicing and preparing to do better in interviews. So um, I just um, got the updated report today that yet another person got um, an offer from City, and, and actually I think somebody just got an offer from Amazon Prime Video as well. Nice. So it's working, and uh, it's, it's just such a great thing that I wish I'd had when I was younger and coming up in the game. So Brilliant Black Minds, uh, just tap in and uh, get to it. You can always follow me at Anthony D. Mays on all the things. Um, click my links. Uh, I, I'll get you there. You heard the man. He's he's giving you the plug, so you can't say there's no help. This help is available. <laughs> That's right. Those are willing. You got to put in the work, though, like he said. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, follow the man, Anthony Mays. He's on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Follow him on all the social platforms. This is Mike Legg, and I'm out of here. Like I said, we're celebrating the kings of tech and tech royalty. Peace.